Greetings in Jesus' name. The one that loves to hear our prayers. And to think, yeah, well, I'm sure Jesus is overjoyed when we come to him and, and want to worship him and ask him to help us in our need. Because we are needy creatures. And, you know, he, we come here to worship him this morning. What a privilege we have to do that as a brotherhood together. Well, the Lord has led me to... I guess what you call the wrap-up sermon, sort of, on the uh, kingdom principles. Started a long time ago. I can't even remember when. I forgot to look. Probably six months ago. You probably forgot all about, about them. But, you know, we're, since we're in another kingdom, we, we go by another set of standards. And it's the Bible, and it's our privilege. And these are from 1 John. There's actually more kingdom principles. First one was obedience. The second one, they, they, they love righteousness. They do that. The third one was they do not practice sin. They don't live in sin. And the last one, which was just, I think, a couple months ago, they love not the world. And, you know, I just praise God we can think about these principles and say, that's me. That's what, that's what I want to be. And now we're going to look at two more this morning that uh, <clears throat> I think good Christians really, they, they love these two. <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to feel that way, too. So this morning, we're going to look at the first one is spoken of in 1 John 3, verses 10 to 16. 1 John 3, verses 10 to 16. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherewith slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. <clears throat> ye know that we have passed from death into life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And we know that no murder hath eternal life abiding in him. So the fifth point is they love the brethren. And I'll tell you, what it says here sure puts a high premium on loving one another. Because he said, if we're going to be people that love righteousness and do righteousness, you know what? We love our brethren. In other words, he's saying, if we do not love our brethren, we are not living in righteousness. That's pretty plain there in verse 10. And uh, so he, he said, yeah, this is from the beginning you should love one another because you never remember how Cain was. You know, he went out and from jealousy, the way it appears, from jealousy, you know, he took care of his brother, uh, the problem of that, uh, what he thought was the way to take care of the problem, and he slew him. And, you know, his works were evil. He said very plainly. Uh, well, you know, in the Christian church, people don't slay one another ver uh, literally, but they do it verbally. So it's kind of challenging still today. That uh, how is it with us? Uh, how are we? How are we living? How are we doing? You know, God cares about how we live, and. He said very plainly, we love our brethren. We, we, in fact, it's so important 
that if we don't love our brethren, we do not have eternal life. And I tell you, friends, that's, that, that amps it up a whole lot in my mind. Because we all want eternal life. We all need eternal life. We all enjoy eternal life. Well, there's a lot of principles that come to bear here. And I'm glad we can be those that love one another and do it from our heart. We, we want to, to be that way. We want to live that way. And there's a lot of, of, of dynamics that come in here that speak to us. Well, we're an indebted people. We're highly indebted. It says in Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And it's so, isn't it true, that we, if we're going to obey the law, which the two commandments are, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second, you cannot love God the way you should unless you love each other as you should. The second commandment. That's very interesting. He tied them together. And so it's an interesting note. He said, well, we, we owe a debt of love. And so we get to show that Jesus loved through us by loving one another. What a tremendous blessing. You know, even in our text there, it talked about uh, how the world hateth you. And I don't, I don't, I don't think even us relish the thought of the world hating us. Uh, I like the thought of the world maybe admires the uniqueness of us. I think they do to a certain degree. One thing I did have noticed very, very prevalent in, in the life of a, uh, the church that when uh, people come in from outside that they're amazed at the love in the brotherhood. That's the way God wants it. Because, because we knew we, we want to love each other. We have that divine love permeating our hearts and it is our pleasure to get to love somebody. Well, that sure is nice and sure goes well when they think and say, and I have the same goals and uh, maybe even the same, uh, well, we just get along real well, we'd say it nowadays, wouldn't it? But you know, I think what is unique in, in almost every societal club or gathering, you know, if they don't see eye to eye, they leave. Have you noticed that? You know, you're out. You don't fit in here. See, in, in Jesus' body, the, the church, as long as you love Jesus and you want to do what's right and you have a heart for the Lord, you fit in. You're loved. And see, that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes. I really think it's a marvel to the world how the brotherhood loves one another. So, how are we handling our debts? You know, we're... Oh no, a debt. You know, I don't know how you feel about debt, but that's a debt we owe, and it's one that takes uh, some personal effort to let that be in the way it should be. No wonder it says, "Loving the brotherhood has great results." Like it says in Colossians three verse fourteen, "Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness." Now. Another reading goes like this, above all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Mm -mm. I think God knew that 2020 would come, and he knew that 2021 would come. And I think he knew what he was saying when he said, look, if you have a heart of charity, 
Your brotherhood will grow together in love through, through tough times. I think that's what he meant. So, he, you know, he wants us all to get along well. And he knows that that can be challenged. And he knows that that can happen. See, love is a choice. Always remember, love is, God, is God's choice for us as saints. Love is a choice. We want to love one another. We're brethren. Uh, it's an act of your volition. You got, sometimes you have to decide to love. Jesus didn't say everybody's going to see you eye to eye. So it's an act of your volition. And so when things don't go your way, and you feel maybe your voice is not resonating, or you feel a little below, uh, uh, belittled, you get to steal love. God expects it. And it's a commitment that he, he expects from our hearts. Sacrificial love is what makes the body work smoothly. Sacrificial love is what makes the body work together well. And that's what... That's what's, what we call resonates of divine love. This, this love is not based on where we get along. And I am glad to see and have experienced, even in this day and age, when we don't always see eye to eye, that our love and fellowship doesn't have to be diminished. Okay? I think it's the work of the devil, just because we don't see perfectly eye to eye on certain things, that, that our that our friendships diminish. I think it's the work of the devil, and I know God doesn't want that. So fellowship is an important part of our life. In fact, if there's not love for one another, the fellowship dwindles real quick. And it talks about that in 1 John 1, the same book, just back probably about one page, 1 John 1, verse 7, it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it's all wrapped up in a package. We, we want to walk in the light. We must walk in the light. We love the light. And we need it. And harmonious, harmonious relationships are fruits of walking in the light. And it's beautiful. In other words, we're walking in the truth of the gospel. We will have love one for another. And of course, we have fellowship one for another. And I praise God that Jesus... When we fellowship around his word and we fellowship one with another and we truly do love each other. It's interesting note that he says at the end of this chapter, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And I think he's saying, look, in case you're not quite there, Jesus' blood can help you. Jesus' blood can help you. And I praise God we can get forgiveness for bad attitudes or for words said. We can get forgiveness. That's a blessing from God. You, you know, we don't have to live with bad attitudes. We don't have to live with words spoken that are unkind. We don't have to live that way. He said, you know what? You know, in case you don't get an A plus here, you know, Jesus talking to you, maybe you get a C or D. I don't know how you feel like you rate. But uh, we don't always get an A plus on these things. We said, look, you know what? You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. The blood of Jesus still works good. And so he wants to have that fruit of, of walking in the light. Now, uh, I'd like to jump down uh, two verses here to verses 9 and 10 in the same chapter there. And it adds a dimension to this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar 
and the word is not in us. So it, uh, excuse me, I meant to go to the next chapter. I knew something wasn't click, clicking quite right. First John 2, verses 9 and 10. Next chapter, over. First John 2, 9 and 10, where it says, he that says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. We, God forbid we ever go there. He that loveth his brother abideth in light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. That's a very interesting uh, phraseology. There says, uh, there, because it reads in another version, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. I believe that our love and the way we live should not cause our brother to stumble. Okay? I think I need to clear up something if I live in such a way that my love for my brother makes my brother to stumble. We want to build brotherhood. And he that loves his brother, they're willing to let the light of Jesus shine in their lives, the light of the word of God shine in their lives through their brethren, and they will care about working along with their brethren. They will not cause their brother to stumble. And I think that's very beautiful, and it's God's plan. It's a beautiful plan to realize we can live this way. Well, sometimes it takes a lot of submission, but it's still a beautiful plan. You know, if uh, we take it serious to live this way, we will not cause our brother to fall. We will not weaken his convictions. And what a blessing we can have a brotherhood that loves one another from the heart. And the word also gets to the root of the matter in 1 John 4. I'd like to go back now a couple more chapters. 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. And it's amazing how much this book is just loaded with love. It's just loaded with love. Because you look at old man John. When he was, uh, I think he was fairly old when he wrote this, if I remember correctly, he started seeing what's really important to make the church work. And so he was saying this from an elderly statesman type of position, and he, and it, it just, and I won't even look at them all because I'd be looking at even a lot more verses from First John than I am here this morning. But I, you know, I could stay pretty much almost in first all First John and just preach on love all morning. But we do have another. Um, Another one to go through yet, though, another point. 1 John 4, verse 7 says, My little children, let no man deceive you. Excuse me, the wrong chapter again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. For this was manifest, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Therein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Now that is totally a loaded passage, and it brings it uh, kind of to another level. It's a very challenge to us, but it very says very plainly, verse 8 just speaks very clearly. He that loveth not, or words from the heart, are, we're just struggling with love, and I know sometimes we do, but he speaks very plainly. This person is, does not, is not walking with God. 
for God is love. For God is love. That's so beautiful. It's such a warm truth. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And that's where the kind of the crux that makes this work. We got to always realize that God looked down at mankind and you and me and said, you know what? They are enemies of me. They are sinners, wretched sinners, and, but I still love them. I still So much that in the master plan, thousands and thousands of years ago, he said, you know what? I'm going to send my only son to die for you and you. It's personal. He died for you personally. He loved you so much. And that's what he's saying here. He said, you know, you know, God, it just permeates of love. And we think about salvation and what God has done for us, that we can be redeemed. You get nothing but love and mercy. Nothing but it's beautiful. God permeates of love. And he said, you know what? You are my children. You're sons of God. You're sons of God. It was how beautiful that you can be that. And, you know, here, and so he said, you know what? If you're my children, you take on my nature. Yeah. You know, you've you got certain natures that come from your pedigree. And, uh, and you do that spiritually, too. Now, it doesn't always show as much as we like. But he wanted to let us know today, as if never before, if you're going to be God's children, you radiate of divine love. He gives it to you. What a gift. What a gift to realize that, you know, we, we was born unlovely enemies and actually certain other characteristics to other people worse, maybe not the most friendly around. You know, we could say things, we could do things, and you know what? We, we knew they were wrong, but it kind of come natural before we were Christians, okay? It should never come natural for a Christian. It should never come natural. But we're still tempted, and we still have attitudes. But praise God, we can be sanctified by that divine love. If, if our hearts are cleansed and purified from sin, and we just let Jesus permeate his loving hearts and just fill us with overflowing love, brothers and sisters, we'll be the warmest organization on the face of the earth because of God's love. There's no other group that has that but the church of God. And we are part of it. What a privilege that we can be part of it. And, uh, and so we want to love each other. We don't want to struggle with bad attitudes. We don't want to say bad things. We don't want to be part of a, of a conflict. We want to be part of many fences, bringing people together, saying edifying things. Oh, how they love one another. That's your permit. Oh, how they love one another. Oh, it's a beautiful testimony. <clears throat> Verses 20 and 21. Uh, speak to this uh, cause too. Case there, 1 John 4, 20 and 20. If, we, if a man says, I love God and hate his brother, is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from, from him, that he that loveth God loveth his brother also. So he's saying very plainly, you love God as much as you love your most despiteful brother. That's pretty challenging. One that just, you just do not get along with. That's how, that's how much you love God. Well, that sets par for the course because we all want to love God from our heart. We all want that. And we get that privilege to do that one for another. I wonder what John saw in the church that made him say so much. 
there must have been trouble in the church 2,000 years ago. Well, you know the devil didn't stop working then. We know that for sure. But I praise God. He saw it the way it should be. First, I mean, John, same writer through inspiration, wrote in John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. Now, why was that a new, how, how was that a new commandment? I wonder, what was he saying? A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Well, God wanted the Jews in the Old Testament to love one another, did he not? You know why it was different? Because he said, as I have loved you. See, Jesus died for your sins. Now, that sets a different level for love. So, we love each other that we will die to get along with our brothers and sisters. That's a new level. That is a new level. In other words, <clears throat> I will let my opinion go. And we can't let Bible principles go. Okay, I just kind of got to separate something here. But you know, my opinion, and a lot of times we have strong opinions on our own opinion, and other people's opinions, by the way. And he said, look, I will die for my brother. That's what he's saying. I think that's a new level. I think we need to remember that level is still possible today. I will die to maintain love in my brotherhood. I will die. That's beautiful. And I'll tell you, that will get the attention of the world for sure. That is for sure. What a beautiful life. May God bless us in working that out. The next discipleship quality is in 1 John 3. I appreciate what Brother Eli... Levi, if I can get the said right. Did, I didn't, wasn't here. I'm sorry, I wasn't here when Levi had the passage, but it was on 2 Peter or something, wasn't it? In the Lord's return. And then the first song we sang here before the message was something about heaven, beautiful home. And it's, they look forward to God's return. I tell you, friends, if that isn't, if that isn't in our hearts, we're too content to live here. We're just way too content to live here. But I praise God when we know we're strangers and pilgrims here, we just look forward to his return. First John 3, 1 to 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. What a wonderful event we all have to look forward to. But in the meantime, we get to be the sons of God. What a prayer, the sons of God. I already spoke that. The sons of God said spoken several times in First John, the sons of God, to imagine that we can look forward to being, uh, we shall, we will be like him. We're going to be like him. We will be like him. I praise God we're like him in some ways in this life, but we're far from like God actually in the full picture. Where it says in uh, Philippians 3 verse 21, who shall change our vile body, 
that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working wherewith he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, I know sometimes Jews feel like their body is pretty precious, and they, they do certain things to make it look proper and right and well chiseled and whatever word it might be. Uh, but as you get older, you realize that this body isn't worth staying in very long. In fact, you know, I've been around a number of people, and I'm getting closer to saying this myself, that, you know, they just can't wait for heaven. They just can't wait, you know. Let me go where saints are going was my father's favorite phrase for the last year or two. And that's very true. You know, as the corrupt, this world gets more corrupt all the time, the more you're, you're going to, we realize that we don't fit in here. I praise God our citizenship is in heaven, right? Our citizen, and that's where we long to go. And I tell you, that, that longing is from God. That longing, that's beautiful. We do not want to live in such a way that we feel like we fit in here. Something is wrong. And so and I wonder what God thinks when we, you know, we just do all these things to make this life so comfortable and so wonderful here. You know, it does kind of hurt our longing for heaven, kind of. You know, I read about what happened years ago and there's foreigners in other lands and even in the United States. When they were Christians and they lived in poverty, and I'll tell you one thing, their life was awful. I just, I, I tell you, it just makes me cringe to think what all they had to go through. And yet we're so, we have so much materially. But they, but they, I tell you, their longing for heaven in a better place was was a whole higher dimensions than the average materialistic Christian of today because they knew this life here was a grueling life. It was a life of suffering. And, and, and they longed for heaven. Well, I praise God we can look forward to heaven. And I think we need to remember that very closely that I'm not, I'm, I'm not settling down here I am looking forward to heaven in a way that I just, just, I can't hardly wait for heaven. <clears throat> that makes me think of a song, one of my favorite songs. <clears throat> it, uh, what a day that'll be. You ever heard that song? You know what? Why don't you stand so you can sing it well? It starts out, there's coming a day. I like to sing both verses if it's okay. There's a coming day when no heartache shall come. There is coming a day and when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day. Jesus, I shall see, and I love.
you know, you have to think about the war you're in and so many heartaches and struggles that we have. Friends, in heaven it all will be gone. That doesn't make warm goosebumps going down your spine. You're missing something. I'm telling you, that, that's everything to look forward to. Everything to look forward to. What a tremendous blessing. And God knows that, that when you do that, when you live in anticipation for him, something is going to happen in your life. And it says there in verse 3 that every person, every man that has this hope in him, purifies himself even as he is, is pure. He wants to live holy. He does not stalemate all this. He wants to grow. He says, I want to be more like Jesus. And I've noticed that even in elder states, you know, we, we never give up. We never change the process, the mentality. I want to grow like Jesus. And I tell you, I don't care if you're 75 or 95 or 15. If you, if you know Jesus, that should be your thriving heart's desire to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. Because you know, that's how we purify ourselves. And so the devil knew that only pure people were going to heaven. And so he sent a device to challenge your purity. I tell you, we need to remember that. We need to remember that. Only the ones that love holiness and purity are going to walk with Jesus. And you know, it shouldn't make us fear, but it does make us reverence, walk reverently before God. You know, praise God, we can live in that way. We can live in a way that shows we love him. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. I have to read a few verses there. Speaks of how a person lives when they're preparing and ready to, for Jesus' return. And it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For we are dead, and our life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we shall appear with him in glory. How beautiful. He says, I tell you, this person is heavenly minded. They got their mind on eternal things. They are dead to the temporal carnal appetites of, of the earth around them. When, uh, for, for ye are dead and their life is consumed with loving Jesus. What a beautiful commentary of the bride of Christ that he's coming back for. He might come back individually for us and he might come collectively. But I praise God we can look forward to that. But that, it's a wonderful opportunity we have to have our life hid with Christ. I read a reading. It goes like this. Charles Fuller once announced that he would be speaking the following Sunday on heaven. During that week, a beautiful letter was received from an old man that was very ill. The following part. Uh, the following is part of his letter. Next Sunday, you're to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because... Uh, I hold a clear title to a bit of property over there for 55 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation. Since the title is not transferable, it is not a vacant lot. And for more than a half a century, I have been sending material out 
of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need to be remodeled nor repaired because it will suit me perfectly individually and will never grow old. Termites will never undermine its foundation for they rest on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks nor bolts will ever be placed upon the, its doors and no vicious, vicious person can enter that land where my dwelling stands now almost completed and almost ready for me to enter in and abode in peacefully in peace eternally without fear of being rejected there is a valley of deep shadow deep shadow between the place where i live in california and to which i shall journey in a very short time i cannot reach my home in that city of gold without passing through the dark valley of shadows but I am not afraid because my best friend I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago and drove away all its gloom. Praise God. Right, that's wonderful. He has stuck by me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago. And I hold his promise in printed form never to forsake me or leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadows and I shall not lose my way with he when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on, next sun, on heaven next Sunday from my home in California, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket for heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, no permit for baggage. Yes, I am all ready to go, and I may not be here while you are talking next Sunday evening, but I shall meet with you someday over there. You have a lot to look forward to, friends, and it's not down here. It's not down here. Everything really that we have that's blessed, we get to look forward to over there. Great anticipation. Titus 2. Titus 2 says it very well. Verses 12 to 14. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly dust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, for you, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God bless you in kingdom building. God bless you.